This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. I am Coach Jen in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Mary Kitzmiller from Kemp, Texas. And you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for August 11th, episode 2995. Good morning, Horse World. What is your favorite day of the week? never stop learning, you never stop understanding. It's more in depth than just riding a horse. Exciting, knowing that for the rest of my life I could work on this and, and I'll never stop learning. And welcome back, Mary. For those who are not in the know... Mary Kitzmiller stops by the second Thursday of every month where we get to sit back and geek out on all things training. How you doing? Not too shabby. I mean, I'm boiling and everything's on fire, but other than that, it's pretty good. <laughs> the world isn't there. Isn't there a song about the world being on fire? Billy Joel comes to mind. Oh my God! I was thinking uh, bare naked ladies. Well, different different generation. No, no not bare naked <laughs> ladies. Um, oh my gosh, Smash Mouth! I got those songs mixed up. There you go. Want to <laughs> pick pick the Burning Universe song of your choice? You know. Yeah. 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 Same it's, era. It's going to be one of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, coming up on today's show, we have a brave listener, Danny, who's going to come on and ask her question live on the show. And also, Mary's training tip this month is going to be inspired by her mini mules. It's going to be all about changing it up and the value of keeping that in mind when you're developing your training routines. Now it's time to get into it. Let's get down to the, get down to the business here. The training tip is always my favorite part of the show because I love to hear about the inspiration of these tips. And you working with horses and mules is what gives you all these great ideas because you you don't have a horse or three that you work with. The animals you work with are constantly changing because you're getting horses in for training, which really makes for a better trainer because the each animal brings you a new question. So what's the question we're answering this time? Uh, so it's, uh, our training tip surrounds the idea of don't be afraid to change things up. And I'm pretty sure everyone who's worked with horses at some point or the uh, or another has heard this from someone with experience. You know, you've got to be flexible and don't be afraid to kind of go back to the drawing board and, and change things. But we still can get a little stuck in routine, a little stuck in, well, so-and-so trainer told me to do it this way, or I've done it this way for 20 years. And, and I am no different. I, you know, I will try to make something happen and kind of beat my head against the wall. And then I'll have to kind of take a breath and go, okay, let's try something different. And so that's what I dealt with, with one of my mini mules that I'm training for the Lost Meadows, um, competition, uh, Baxter, uh, he's really cool, but he's definitely more wild than Samuel who actually he's going to be my competition mule and Baxter is along for the ride. 
So Baxter is very aloof. And even though he has permitted me to do a number of things with him, I can catch him, I can pet him, I can put a halter on him. He just, uh, he just sort of just allows it instead of being really okay with it. He he doesn't Um, want to participate. He's like, okay, uh, you can do that, but I don't like it. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. And and I can really tell I use lots and lots of cookies when training these guys because it does make a big difference. And Baxter's totally into the cookies. But if I feed, let's say he does something good and I say, good boy, and I give him a cookie and then I start petting him while he's eating the cookie, he will stop chewing and he just completely goes blank. Very it interesting. Is such a, yes. I've had um, a couple of uh, animals do that. Uh, my Z-donk that I have, or my Zonky, uh, I call it Z-donk. Everyone else says Zonky. She's the exact same way. If she feels too high pressure, she will not take food from me. I could pry her mouth open and shove that food in her mouth, <laughs> and she's just she's not even there anymore. Yeah. And so it's a really good test for me to see where are you? Are you okay with things? Um, so that's how Baxter has been. He's been very good and allowing me to do things, but we've been stuck on just getting past that point. I'm like, I don't want you to just shut down. I, I would like you to enjoy this and, you know, not be scared. Um, and one of the things that I've had a lot of problems with is leading forward. I can walk up to him. I can put the halter on him. He goes back and forth, doesn't want to come forward. So I... He was trying to figure out, okay, where do I go from here? Do I need to pony him? Do I need to add a little bit more pressure? Do I need to try this exercise, that exercise? And I definitely knew I didn't want to go higher pressure because he's already told me, you know, I'm just barely allowing this amount of pressure that we're doing right now. And, uh, you know, so I didn't want to get him to shut down even more or even get really reactive. So um, I was like, okay, let's do our target training. Because I teach everything to target train at some point in training. And I hadn't gotten around to it with Baxter just yet. So I actually took the halter off and went and uh, got my target. And um, I started teaching him to it. So my target is a little buoy on a stick. Um, And you don't have to have a super fancy target. I've used Nerf balls on the end of a stick. You just don't want it to be too frightening. You want it to be easily visible. And I won't use things like the end of a whip because for me, a whip means one thing. A target means something else. I want them to know the difference. Um, So I started getting him to do the target. And I have to tell you, I was so proud of myself at how good he did because he immediately started touching the target right away, got got how to do it immediately. Well, I found out later that the rescue, the the trainer who works at the rescue has taught him to target train before. No. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I know. I was like, he's so smart. I've never had one get it in one lesson. But that's about as far as they got. They got a few touches on him, taught him to target, but not halter broker or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, that's why he got it so quick. Um So he just lit up and was like, oh, I love this game. So I started target training with him. And normally, and of course, while I'm doing this, I'm thinking it's his first lesson. So Mm -hmm. normally the first lesson of target training, I don't just start having them 
follow it around because you're jumping ahead many steps in doing that. But he was so into it. So I just started walking around and darned if I didn't have this little mule following me around everywhere. Like, this is so cool. I love this. And I'm like, I've been trying to tell you this is fine for a month now. Um, (laughs) So it made me so happy and it made my heart so happy that he, you know, I just, it's kind of like the front door was locked with him. So I had to go around to a window and open it up. And he, he's like, Oh, is this what we're doing? This is cool. That, well, that's interesting too, because in the long term that will pay dividends because in doing that, he found success. He went, dang, I got this. This human being relationship thing is pretty cool. So that's going to just exactly. carry over into other work you're doing with him that doesn't involve a target. Exactly. Um, and you can phase the target out similar to, you know, teaching them the horse how to send back and forth. I've mentioned where, you know, you pick up the rope, use a little pressure behind, pick up the rope, use a little pressure behind. The goal of that is eventually you put pressure on the lead rope and they respond to that and you don't have to use any kind of extension of your arm like a whip or a flag. Well, with the target training, it's the same thing. I'm going to teach him target, 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 follow around the target. And then we're going to put the halter on and I'm going to put a little pressure on the rope and then put the target in front of him. And so eventually you will transfer the um, cue uh, to mean, hey, when you feel the pressure and he'll still get the click and the treat. Um, So what he'll do is he'll feel a little pressure on the lead rope, which to him basically doesn't mean anything at all. But then he's mm-hmm. going to see the target. He knows what that means. So by creating the appropriate setup and getting your timing right, he will start to associate the tension on the lead rope with, oh, I go forward because my target's about to be here. Oh, that must mean I'm supposed to go forward. Okay. That makes perfect sense. Exactly. Yeah. And there are so many applications with target training. I will use what's called stationary targets. So I have these giant road cones and I'll stick my little target in, out to where it's sticking out of the top of the road cone and I'll teach the horse to walk to it and touch it. So like when I was starting my Mustang Dougal, I had the same problem with him. He would not go forward for nothing. He just, he was really chill. He's like a draft horse. So he's just really chill and he didn't really see a reason to move forward. And because it's his first ride, I don't want to have to try kicking the tar out of him to get him to go. That, that can end up very bad, very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't have anyone on the ground to like help push him along. So I had to put my thinking cap on and I taught him to target. So I just taught him to walk to stationary targets. So I set up cones around the arena And then I'd get on on the mounting block and point him to a cone and be like, oh, cone. And he'd walk over there. And when he touched it, click and treat. So he figured that out really quick. But obviously, like let's say I want to take him to a dressage show years down the road. I'm not going to be able to go into the course and, yeah, set up my cones and make the judges wait on me. So I'm going to need a leg cue. So all you have to do is while they're walking, give a little leg and so they start they start putting two and two together. And then one of those times, you'll give the leg first. And if they walk forward, even if they haven't gotten to the target yet, you click that. And they're like, oh, the legs mean something too. Aha. Uh-huh. And timing is so key. You have to be so tuned into 
where the horse is in his thought process, whether or not he's starting to make the connections and and stuff like that. So that's really cool. I never thought of, of doing that. So now I've got several things to try with Nigel because he's in he's in the load into the new horse trailer phase of his life. So now I've got some really okay. interesting things to work on. Yeah. Yay. Yay. And there's always, yeah, always new things. Scooter, of course, who's also in the learn to get into the new horse trailer phase of his life, learned it in about four click and treats. And he was like, jumping into the oh, horse trailer. Yeah. <laughs> And it's funny because he jumps in there and he's all excited because he wants another cookie and he's in there dancing around and Nigel's going, oh my God, all the noise, it's terrifying. (laughs) His scooter's in there causing a ruckus because he's trying to figure out how to get another cookie. (laughs) Yep, yep. Yep. So it's great fun. Well, that's really cool. I think think we can relate some of this to our guest who's coming up, Danny, our listener. And if you wanted to get on one of the podcasts and ask a question of one of our hosts... Mary Kitzmiller, for example, the way to do that is to become an auditor. And you can become an auditor by going to horseradionetwork.com or horsesinthemorning.com and look for the auditor banner. Those folks help to support the Horse Radio Network. And one of the things that you get, one of your perks, is being able to come on because Mary, before her show each month, posts a, a uh, post on the HRN Auditor's Facebook page saying, who wants to come on and ask questions? And this time, Danny won. Well, welcome to the show, Danny. Thanks for calling in. Hello. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good, good. Well, thank you so much for coming on the air and asking your question. Um, so what is your question, by the way? <laughs> yeah, so um, my current question, I feel like I have questions all the time, but the current one is, uh, right now, when leading or even sometimes going into the trailer, my two-year-old Philly, she just stops. And mm-hmm. it's almost like her feet get stuck. And she, she, doesn't, she doesn't really respond to a ton of pressure. She's very sensitive. Um, so she either gets mad at it or she just, like, shuts down. Like, no, I don't, I don't want any of that. Um, and it's almost like she is like processing and thinking. Um, but I'm just curious to know like how you might, I don't know, address that a little bit better. Okay. Um, yeah, really good question. It ties right into what I've been working on with one of my wild little mini mules this week. Um, so, you know, most horses, well, all horses have, will have a reaction response when they feel it's too much or they, they're trying to get away from pressure or get away from something scary. Some horses, it's to bolt forward. Some horses, it's to run backwards. Some horses may rear up or go sideways. And some horses just kind of stop and freeze and become like a deer in the headlights. And you almost feel like you need to restart them like a phone. So when you have a horse that reacts by just freezing like a deer in the headlights, there's a lot of different ways that you can tackle it. And depending on the horse, you will just have to go through each one and try them out and see what works best for your horse. Um, I like to make sure in the training of every horse that I work on teaching them to give to pressure, especially pressure behind their ears, which is going to be where the halters pulls on them if they freeze or even want to set back a little bit. 
It's really important for all horses to learn this because we're going to do things with our horse like tie them up. And if they set back while being tied, they're going to feel that pressure behind their ears. And if I've taught them, hopefully through lots of repetition, how to come forward to that pressure, they're going to be safe. And hopefully we don't break halters or end up in a bad situation. And it's going to be the same kind of thing when I'm trailer loading is you know, if my horse freezes in front of the trailer and they kind of set back a little bit, hopefully I can put a little bit of pressure on that halter and they go, oh, I remember this. I'm going to come forward. So exercises that help with that, and it's exercises I work on in a controlled, calm environment so that I can teach them without them being scared, um, are teaching my horse to go past me. So different trainers have different names for this. Uh, Buck Brandeman, I don't know what he calls it actually, but Paparelli calls it the squeeze game. I've heard it called the sending exercise, but essentially I'm going to use my halter and either a flag or a stick or just some sort of extension of my arm. And I pick up on that lead rope and I usually have the horse somewhat against the fence, like 20 feet off the fence. And I pick up the lead rope of the halter and I want that horse to feel the feel of that halter. And then I ask with that extension of my arm behind the horse's driveline. So I wave the flag a little bit or wave, wave the whip a little bit and create a little bit of pressure behind their driveline. So behind the girth area and ask them to come forward. And I just do that lots of gentle repetitions over and over again until my end goal with this is if I pick up on the halter pressure, I don't need that extension of my arm. I don't need the flag or the whip. The horse just goes, oh, I know what I need to do, and they come forward. So that's not going to completely eliminate your problem, but it's going to help, and you cannot do too much of it. It's a great exercise. It's one you definitely don't want to teach when your horse is freaked out and you, you know, frozen in front of the trailer and you have to get on there right now. It's something you do in the arena when everything's nice and calm. Um, so other ways to teach your horse to get unstuck and everyone probably has done this in some form or the other is to go side to side. So obviously if I'm pulling against my horse and they're pulling against me, who's going to win that tug of war? It's not going to, um, and the harder I pull, the harder they pull. And that's where you have horses that freak out and run backwards and it's a big old mess. Um, but going side to side is a little bit more comforting for the horse because you're not necessarily asking them to come straight forward and you're doing a little bit of disengaging of their hindquarters. And the more you loosen up those hindquarters, pretty soon that front end will start to loosen up. So I do that an awful lot with Mustangs that are experiencing the halter for the first time. Sometimes they're a little bit nervous to like just come right toward me. So I go side to side and loosen them up. And sometimes that's all it takes to kind of, you know, grease the wheel and get things moving again. Um, an extension of that is something that I was taught many years ago. And the person who taught me called it the quote unquote magic lunge. Um, and I, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's a KB Jeffries method. Who's a, a very well-known um, Australian horse trainer, I believe from the turn of like the 20th century. So before our time, a little bit. Um, and it's the way, it's something that I use to teach all of my Mustangs how to lead, um, anything that's feral, anything that's being halter broke. This is how I teach them how to lead. And so what I do is instead of trying to pull them forward, I go to their hindquarters and um, I will 
teach them to yield their hindquarters and I'll walk towards the hindquarters, use the end of my rope or my body or, or, you know, a stick or a flag. Um, but usually I'll just use a rope or myself and I just get that horse to yield their hindquarters. And I want those hindquarters like really nice and loose to where it takes just bare minimal pressure and they can just swing those hindquarters around nice and free. And they're facing me the whole time. I'm yielding their hindquarters. Um, and then what I do while their feet are still in motion. So I'm walking a small tight circle around with this horse. I'm walking towards their hindquarters. They're yielding their hindquarters away. And I do this for a circle or two. And then while their feet are still moving, I will start spiraling out. So I'm no longer walking a tiny tight circle. I'll start walking a slightly bigger circle. And I walk a bigger and bigger circle until pretty soon the horse is no longer really yielding their hindquarters. Their front end will start to move and they'll actually come a few steps forward. And all I'm looking for, especially if a horse is really nervous and shut down or they've just never been taught to lead before is for them to make a few steps forward. And as soon as they do that, I release all pressure. If the horse is gentle enough, I walk up to him and my, I pet him. If it's more of a wild horse who feels more comfortable with some distance, I will just walk away a little bit and stop everything and just let them sit and think about that for a moment. And then when I want to play the game again, I walk in towards their hindquarters again and I go and I yield the hindquarters, yield the hindquarters, yield the hindquarters, then walk a bigger circle, a bigger circle, a bigger circle, and then have them. What happens is they start following you as you walk onto that bigger circle. It's kind of hard to explain. Um, so I hope I've explained it pretty well. So those are like a couple of the solutions. And I got one I, more for you. Oh, yeah, you go first. Say, <laughs> I, I love, um, well, I love all of those. <clears throat> the first one, or I don't know if it's the second one that you explained where you're teaching them to send forward with a little bit of the drive, just like clicked in my brain of how to, like the, the steps to teach her how to send forward. Like, that was a huge connection for me. I was like, Yay. oh, that's how you teach the send. Like, because I've been thinking also, like, how do I teach her to send into the trailer or send someplace else? And now I feel like that made the connection for at least my brain. So that's super oh, helpful. Good. <laughs> good. Well, yeah. and building on that, when I take my young horse and I'm like, here's the trailer we're going to get on. Um in the arena, I've worked on sending back and forth and back and forth. And I've gone all over the arena with my horse back and forth and back and forth. And I do that a lot with young horses. I'm getting ready to turn out to pasture because I don't want their brain to fall out of their head just because they're going to the pasture gate. So sending them back and forth as we're walking to the pasture gets their brain makes, you know, it tells the horse we're still training. You don't, you're not going to run forward and kick out and be silly just because we're going to get turned out. So I'd use that same idea going to the trailer and that horse is going to tell me long before they get to the trailer, if they're okay with getting on the trailer. I uh, recently judged a Mustang tip challenge, which is an in-hand Mustang makeover in Illinois. And there was a trailer loading element. And usually the horse has to do like some maneuver before going to the trailer. In this case, I think they were weaving through cones and I could tell by the time every competitor was done with the cones, whether that horse was going to load or not, even though they were 50 feet from the trailer. And so when I do that sending exercise, when I come to the trailer for the first time, I don't just walk up to the trailer and I'm like, get on. I send them back and forth. And 
So I'll start a hundred feet away from the trailer and send them back and forth. Now, if I get to, let's say I close in and I'm 50 feet away from the trailer and all of a sudden my horse stiffens up and he starts kind of crowding me. So as I'm sending him between me and that trailer that's 50 feet away, if he starts pushing his shoulder into me and saying, I don't want to go that way. I want to come towards you or toward the barn. That's telling me, oh, okay, we need to stay right here and fix it right here. And what I'll usually, so usually there's a point with a young horse or a fearful horse that has an issue with a trailer. There's a point point well before you even get to that trailer where that horse is like, nope. And so what I do, um, I want to keep them on the edge of that threshold. I want to push my horse. I want to challenge them like to get through this because eventually we got to get on the trailer, but I know not to go much further because that's where you get shut down. And once you get shut down, now you're in a, a tricky position because you're like, well, I don't want to add more pressure and start wailing on my horse because that's just going to be a big old mess. Even if you get them on the trailer, it's not a win for either of you. Um, so, but I will, that, that spot where things start to get real sticky and that horse isn't moving so well for me anymore, I'm going to work on that until my horse kind of goes, ah, and they loosen up and they start doing it like they ought to. And then what I'm going to do is not continue toward the trailer. I'm going to say, you got through it and I'm going to take them away from the trailer. And let's go eat some grass for five minutes. Or maybe it was really, tr you know, a real big challenge just to get them through that little spot. Maybe I'll put them away for today because I don't have to get on the trailer right now. Um, so, you know, I'll give them a break or even make that the end of the lesson. And then the next time I go for it, I will start sending them back until I hit that threshold again. I'm going to stay at that threshold and try my darndest to push them a little bit further. And then as soon as they kind of go through it, I'm going to take them away from it again. Uh, one analogy I've heard that's really good is, you know, when you're a little kid and you're learning to swim and you're creeping towards that deep end, we, I didn't, my brother did he, cause he was brave and he'd just try anything. But when I was teaching myself to swim in the deep end, I would creep to where my feet were just touching the ground and I'd hang out there and then I'd go back to the shallow end. And then I'd, you know, re, you know, go a little bit deeper into the deep end and get, you know, get my confidence up and then go back to the shallow end. And for me, knowing that I could go back to safety made me braver. And it's the same with the horses. If you tell your horse, Hey, if you get through this a little bit, we're going to go away from it. And you'll find that each time you reapproach the trailer, their confidence builds. And even though you haven't gotten on the trailer yet, you're, you're still practicing walking up to that trailer a hundred times. So it's going to make your trailer loading that much better. And um, one last thing I will throw in there, um, and uh, this is something that I think your horse understands the basics of clicker training, is you can always throw a target into the mix and you use your target to to teach them to come forward. And so you add some of that positive reinforcement and you add that reward Um It's But it's the same kind of thing as using any kind of pressure release training. Even if you're using a reward, if you have them to where they're what we would call over threshold, meaning that horse is just like, I am not okay right now. Food's not going to fix anything. Um, they're going to clamp up. They're not going to want to take the food. So you do the same thing, you know, teach them the target training, take them right to the edge of where they feel comfortable and then retreat and then come back and, you know, just keep working on building that threshold to where it's closer and closer and closer to the trailer. But if you always follow it up with a retreat and, and a reward, you'll make that approach much better and freer the next time.
cool. I love all of these. Thank you. Yay. Make sure you make sure you post pictures on the auditor's page. We want to see it in action. Oh yes. I absolutely yes. Will. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> thanks for calling. Thanks for thanks for coming on the show with us today, Danny. Yeah, thanks so much, you guys. Talk to you later. Bye. Trailer loading is the perfect um, test for where you are in training because you have to have so many things working for a horse to get on the trailer. They have to trust you. They have to be able to give to pressure. They need to be able to come forward. You need to be able to have lateral control. There needs to be softness. Um, So, you know, they're really going to tell you where the holes are when they get in front of that trailer. It's such a trailer loading. It's gotten to be one of my favorite things to teach because (laughs) I have sat outside that trailer for six hours at a time crying, not being able to get my horse on. And so eventually I got good at it over time. Every once in a while, a horse will still surprise me and I'll have to go back to the drawing board and figure out new things. But there you go. It always works out. Speaking of new things, um, We're going to do something different today. We're going to toss in a song from Templeton Thompson today, just because we can. And when we get back, we're going to answer some listener questions. And by the way, you can find all of Templeton Thompson's music at templetonthompson.com. She's also available on many of the music streaming services. But we personally recommend templetonthompson.com. We'll be right back. Guessing wasn't such a perfect landing Yeah, I'm still alive, not sure how I survived It was a hell of a ride till it ended I guess that's what you get when you leave You don't always end up on your feet Oh, there's easier ways I could go
And again, templetonthompson.com is where you can find all of her music. Now it is time for listener Q&A. And this is where Mary takes questions that were put onto the HRN Auditor Facebook page and answers them on the air while we uh, think hard about it. So go to town. What have we got today? Okay, we've got a couple of questions that were left over from last month because they were very good. And I want to make sure we got them all covered. Uh, so we have Rachel who had question. Oh, this one might even be from this month. Uh, um, she had a question about picking up her horse's feet. She says, I have a weanling that is a bit of a pain to pick up her feet and I want her to be good for the farrier. So kudos to you, Rachel, for getting your young horse ready for the farrier and your farrier is going to thank you for that. And your horse is going to thank you for that. So it's not going to be such a traumatic experience and it's good to work with them when they're tiny and not so giant. Um, so some of the things that I check on, um, to work on the feet. First of all, I want to make sure I have a very basic amount of groundwork on that horse. So I like to have some control over the horse's hindquarters because if they decide to jump forward or they're even thinking about kicking me, I can make those hindquarters move away from me and have the horse end up facing me, which is going to keep me out of harm's way. So um, teaching your horse how to yield their hindquarters on the ground is definitely a must and it's going to have so many applications for so many different exercises you're going to teach both on the ground and under saddle. Um, I also want to make sure I have a basic amount of desensitizing done with this horse before I even really work on the feet themselves. So my horse needs to be okay with being touched all over. Uh, if it's uh, like a brand new Mustang, for instance, I might have to start somewhere on their neck um, and then work and make those areas bigger and bigger until I can I can touch that horse on just about every part of their body. So um, usually the hindquarters and back is a good area to start. And you just use approach and retreat. Make sure you can touch them over their hips, all over their face, all over their neck, work on their belly. And then I'll start working down the legs. So if my horse won't let me touch their legs there ain't no way I'm going to be able to pick up their feet. They're already telling me when I'm touching their legs that they don't like this. So they're going to be really upset when I try to pick up that foot and hold it. So I make sure, and I, again, I'm going to start somewhere where I know the horse is comfortable. Uh, so I might start up on the shoulder for the front legs and I will use both hands and rub down the horse's foreleg and then I retreat back to the shoulder and then I'll go down towards their knee a little bit and then retreat back up to the shoulder and then down the cannon bone, retreat back up to the shoulder and down, you know, all around the fetlock and everything. While I'm doing this, I'm going to have the rope draped over my elbow. So if the horse all of a sudden goes, I don't want to do that and they move, I can grab the rope quickly, yield those hindquarters, get control of the horse. I don't want to do this while the horse is tied. In fact, I like to do this out in the middle of my arena where the footing is soft. We're not, you know, in a cramped place like a barn aisle or any place they can slip or run into things or um, pull back. So doing this out um, in the arena is a really great place to start. And I have my farrier. Uh, we trim the horses out in my arena. That's just the way my barn is set up. Um, so 
you want to make sure you can do that. Touch them on all four legs on the inside and the outside of their legs until they will just stand there and be completely bored with it. Um, some horses, uh, like wild Mustangs, I may spend several days just on the front legs and then I'll spend several days on the back legs. And so you don't have to get it all done in one day. Some so I'm going to use these feet handling sessions throughout my groundwork. I'm not going to just do it all at once. So I'll get my horse out and do exercises that involve moving their feet. So that might be yielding the hindquarters, yielding the forequarters, teach them to go around. And then as a break, I'm going to go in and work on their feet. So rubbing all over their legs. So break it up in several bite-sized sessions throughout your groundwork. Um, and with a weanling, I wouldn't really do work on this horse for like an hour. You know, they, their brains can only hold so much and their physical and mental stamina is just not there. So you can do this 10, 15, 20 minutes and then move on to some, you know, be done with your session for the day. You can do it several times a day, but just sneak it in there. We don't have to get it all done right now. Once that horse is very comfortable standing while I touch all over their legs, both hands, inside, outside of their legs, then I'm going to start thinking about picking up those feet. Um, what I like to do before I actually go in and just pull the feet up is I like to take a long lead rope. If my lead rope that I'm using on my horse is not longer than 10 feet, then I'll get a separate rope out because you don't want to be pulling on their face while you're doing uh, rope work around their legs. But my lead ropes are like 12 12 feet long. And so I just take the excess of that lead rope and I will put it around the horse's leg and just kind of lightly seesaw back and forth all up and down those, that horse's leg. And I'll do that to all four legs. Um, and once they can handle that, and a lot of horses at this stage will start wanting to move. So if they move, I am going to tip their nose toward me and ask them to move while stepping their hindquarters away. This keeps me safe, keeps them stay safe, helps us stay reg pretty stationary. And I'm going to try and do that while continuing to move the rope around their legs. And when they stop and relax, I'll take the rope away, pet on them, love on them, release the pressure. Um, then I can start to use that rope to pick up their feet. So as I'm seesawing up and down their leg, I'll go down below the fetlock. And if it's a front leg, I'll pull very lightly out to a 45 degree angle. And what I want them to do is pick up that foot, come forward a step and set it down. As soon as they set it down, I release that pressure Love on them, pet on them, let them know they did good. And that's just a good precursor to actually picking up that foot. And the good thing about this is I'm not bent over under this horse trying to pick up their foot. So if they have a big reaction, I'm standing in a place of control. My, You know, I don't have my head down there to where I could get kicked. Um, and same with the back feet. I'm standing up by the horse's shoulder as I do this. So I wrap the ro rope around the back feet, seesaw up and down go below the fetlock and lightly pick up that back foot and pull it forward. Like almost like I'm going to set it on a hoof stand. If they try to pull it away, I just, I do my best to hang on to the rope and I wait for them to relax. Even if it's for a split second, as they relax into it and just let me hold their foot with that rope, I release pressure, pet on them, love on them, take like start again. For Let's make the assumption that this is not a feral horse. This is a domesticated horse who's learning to pick up their feet. Mm -hmm. 
does working through these various exercises to help the horse understand that A, touching my feet and legs is okay, and B, a little bit of pressure means you can move your foot and not have to worry about it. Does it always need to be a standalone exercise or can it be combined with other things you're doing with your horse in between? Yes. And that is exactly what I recommend. So let's say I've got a horse that I'm doing various groundwork exercises with, and I'm also working on getting him better with his feet for the farrier. Uh, so what I typically do is I'll take that horse. I like to start with a desensitizing exercise, probably won't start with their feet as the very first exercise, but I'll, maybe I'll throw the rope over that horse's back and just kind of a, Hey, we're starting the day. We're, we're, you know, we're chilled out. We're cool. I might flex them to the halter a little bit, and then I'm going to do a let's move your feet exercise. So let's say I'm maybe I'm working on side passing with that horse today. So I work on our side passing and I get a little bit better, and then I'm going to that horse needs a little bit of a break. So this is where I'm going to do let's let's work on the feet a little bit. So I might take five minutes to go rub their feet all over until they're really good and relaxed. And then I'll say, okay, we need to work on backing now. So I'm going to do a backing exercise and teach that horse to back circles and squares. And I'll do that until they need another little break. And I'll say, okay, now let's go back to the feet again. I'm going to get the rope out and works, you know, I'm going to seesaw the rope all up and down their feet. And then I'll say, okay, let's work on this. So I'm constantly doing a move your feet, stand still, move your feet, stand still. It's really great with these young horses to keep them engaged, not drill on anything for too long. And you're doing the feet handling in little bite-sized nuggets because most young horses can't stand still for more than five minutes. So I'm not going to go through the feet handling, you know, everything all at once, especially with the weanling. The weanling is just going to be a few, you're just lightly touching on it. You're suggesting it. Um, you're not going to be nearly as strict and, um, you know, you're not going to have nearly as strict a routine as you would with an older horse. Well, and, and it's important because the horse is likely to see all of this in this case, particularly for the feral horse, this is all going to be mentally pretty stressful. So you do it too long. The horse is going to go past where he's okay. I can. You don't want to go past it. If, if it's really, really hard, you have to keep it really, really short. <laughs> exactly. The harder the exercise, the shorter it needs to be. <laughs> and and I use, uh, like, the way I think about it, um, I hate to use the term I'm sneaking it in there, but it's it's sort of like those moms who put a, a few carrots in the brownies for their kids. <laughs> like, you don't know that you're, you know, that this is good for you. Um, <laughs> especially with babies. Um and I would not do a whole, again, a whole hour-long session with these babies. You know, I would just get the little foal out and brush on them a little bit and maybe teach them one or two things and say, hey, uh, while we're out here, let me pet on your feet a little bit. Let me pet your legs a little bit. Oh, you were great. Okay, we're done. And then get them out later and do it because, you know, they really, mentally and physically, they, they can only go so long. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and it's it's so easy to wear them out mentally and not realize you're wearing them out mentally. Exactly. Yeah. Now, so, see, this is the privilege of being the co-host with Mary on her monthly episode. I get to ask a question. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of our listeners, Ursina, 
had asked a question that related back to horses who whose feet are stuck, which we talked about with Danny. And one of her comments was that she is working on backing up with her young horse. I am curious. When you're working with a untrained horse, whether it's a youngster, a remedial horse that's just never been handled, a feral horse like a Mustang, is it a necessity that the horse learns to move forward towards you when you first get them halter broke versus move them and teach them to back up? Because I know a lot of horses struggle with learning to back up. A lot of horses struggle with giving to pressure and moving forward. Is there ever a case or would it be dangerous or inappropriate to say, you know, this horse is having a lot of trouble leaning forward. Maybe I need to teach him to back up first. Or is that a bad idea? Ooh, good question. Um, I would say, so no matter where the horse's instinct lies, if they want to run backwards or they want to go forwards, obviously it's still important to teach you both. And um, I think I would not necessarily change teaching them to back early on, but I am with a horse that wants to go backwards. I am definitely going to be mindful of where they are mentally when I am working on backing up, if that makes sense. Um, Horses that tense up and freeze, sometimes backing is going to make them even more tense. Uh, so I tend to, if a horse is wanting to kind of suck back and stuff, I'm going to really be encouraging them to go forward. Actually, a really great exercise for horses like this is, um, a couple of trainers use it. I've heard it called the yo-yo game or so I will teach that horse to back up and then I'll teach them and immediately come forward. So I use my rope, the pressure from my rope. I'll wiggle the rope until they back up a step or two, and then I'm going to draw them forward and then back them up and then draw forward and then back them up and then draw forward. So I will you know, kind of use that forward and back to sort of get that horse loosened up. And then when they come forward, um, I'm going to love on them. Maybe I'll have a cookie for them once they've, once they've come forward all the way. Uh, so I don't necessarily say, Oh, this horse is having trouble going forward. I'm going to teach him to back up. If I try to get him to come forward and he won't come forward, I definitely, we're going to work on it. Even if it's just to get you one step. And then later on, in the extra in the lesson we'll work on backing up. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It does because um forward is sort of one of the essentials in equestrianism in that so many things are solved by moving forward versus And so many things are prevented by prevented by forward. going forward. And so many things are made worse by going backwards. Uh, that makes that kind of makes sense. And I've I've I was paging back through my history of the various and sundry horses that I've worked with and trained over the years. And I must say, I've had a lot more who struggle with the concept of going back than going forward. Yes, that that's pretty typical. Most horses, backing is not as natural as going forward to a lot of horses. You don't really see horses like just backing around the pasture. Um, <laughs> no, backing up is what you unless, do when, you're, when your pasture mate has his teeth clamped around your lips and you have to get out of there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or you're backing up to kick the crap out of your... Keep the crack your, out of your neighbor, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. But 
for the most part, they want to go forward. Um, but you will have those horses that tend to want to back away from pressure or back out of things. Um, so for those horses, I'm constantly saying, go forward, go forward, go forward. I was actually working with a mule this week, a client lesson who's doing a mule makeover where he's riding the mule. Um, and his mule has what I call um, suck back. So a lot of your cutters and reiners are going to have this. We've bred them to get back and rock back on those hocks so you can turn and roll back and cut that cow and do that sliding stop and roll back and be. Um, so it can actually be a little detrimental because they want to back up, back up, back up instead of go forward, go forward, go forward. So when this mule is doing his reining spins, he's crossing under instead of crossing over. Because his natural instinct, if you put more leg on him, he just wants to kind of back around that spin instead of going forward. And that with him is we're asking him to spin and then walk forward and then spin and then walk forward and then spin and then walk oh, forward. That makes so sense. he knows that the So relief, he's got that forward yeah. on the brain. Yeah. Yes. And when he walks forward, that is like opening the door. You're done with the spin. Now here's your relief. We're having to rewire his brain because he thinks if he backs up, he finds the relief. So we're not punishing him or saying, you're doing it wrong. Because if we did that, if we're aggressive about it, he's going to really want to run backwards. We're just gently saying, oh, you took a step across. It's exactly what we wanted. Now walk forward, walk forward. And it could take a couple of weeks, but eventually... They go, oh, forward feels actually quite nice because I get a break and the reins get loosened and I get to stop for a second. Interesting. I'm, I'm thinking of different ways you could apply that same concept to other training challenges where the horse feels sticky. Horses who fall behind the bit at the halt for dressage folks, mm -hmm. that's very common. That horses that they come to a halt and they fall behind the bit. What yeah. I would do in that situation, you can end up in a bit of a sticky pickle with halting and then going forward. So how I would do it is I'd use still the concept of going forward, but if I am doing a dressage halt and my horse gets behind the bit, what I would likely do is I would halt pause and then I would do something forward and lateral out of that halt and the reason why is with our reiners we never stop and then walk forward because that horse has to know when I say whoa you've run into a wall you must stop now if we constantly stop and walk right out of it they kind of don't take the stop as seriously and they'll start kind of piddling down to a stop instead of bam hitting it now in dressage you don't have to like slam into the ground and you know like really sink to the ground to stop but you do want that stop to be like we have stopped you are not going to walk stop and walk forward a couple of steps but you can still use the idea of going forward and soft out of a stop so Ooh, see, with the rainers why, that's why you're so much better at this so that would be oh, interesting you come yeah. into the see that see now that's the, something i'm gonna have to try with nigel um trot to halt is not something we're very good at it but walk to halt we can get but again, he Good. is super, super light in my hand. It's, it's, I could use yarn for reins. He's so light. So I have a tendency to be too strong. So he'll get a little bit behind the bit because I'm too heavy. So this is a good way for me to help walk into the halt. And then as I move off, move off into a leg yield so that he's thinking about, okay, we're going to go forward, we're going to go forward, and he's less likely to just, because he'll tend to suck back and just, okay, I, I look pretty, I'm pretending I'm on the bit, but not really. <laughs> yeah, so I, yeah, so with the Rainers, what, 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 
problems we have in the stops sometimes is the horse stops and jams their front feet into the ground and we want them to kind of pedal into that stop. So, but if we walk them completely forward out of the stop, it kind of confuses them a little bit. So I may stop and then move into ride pass or leg yield and make sure, you know, they're soft in the bridle and everything like that. And, um, if you've got a horse who kind of gets behind the bit or who's just really, really sensitive, um, I would stop that horse with just my seat. I wouldn't do anything with my hands. Oh, I would no, there's no touch of the bridle. No, it's oh, exhale. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> it's exhale to halt, um, inhale to trot. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> he is he and it's it's very interesting. He's much much more sensitive to my seat than any other horse I've ever had. Mm-hmm. And I didn't train it that way. He just is. He just it, is. It's That's one of those things cool. that if I do it right, he just if I'm walking along and I go, "Okay, we're going to trot now." And if I kind of inhale a little bit as if I was to say trot out loud, we're trotting. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, so he he really uh, encourages me to be a better rider. So this is an interesting exercise for me because it's he gets behind the bit because of how I ride him. So it's as much him thinking forward out of the halt as it is me. Because if I'm thinking forward out of it, I'm also going to have a giving hand because he's one of those horses that you have to have a giving hand. So he rides forward into your hand. You can't, if you try to package him, you just end up with, um, airs above the ground and real embarrassment. (laughs) (laughs) One of the coolest things I ever, I I guess it's advice I ever heard about like really sensitive horses is, um, uh, from Martin Black, who's just a genius cult starter. And we were talking about how how much groundwork should you do before you get on, how much desensitizing, yada, yada, yada. And he was saying, you know, some of these trainers that throw everything but the kitchen sink at their horse to, like, try to bomb-proof them, um, it's unfair to a horse that you're going to use for performance and, you know, showing and that kind of stuff. If you get that horse just so dead to the world, they don't respond to anything. And you've taken, he said, you can take the life out of a horse that can be done to any horse, but putting it back in is, um, almost impossible sometimes. And so if, if I'm training a horse for like my grandma to ride month and that horse has just got to ignore the world, then yeah, desensitizing them to, to, you know, everything to where they just won't move and they have to be kicked on a couple times to get them to go is that's fine for that kind of horse. But any other kind of horse that I want, you know, I want to show, I want to be competitive. I want that horse to be full of life. That's when as a trainer, you have to learn to rise to the level of the horse instead of kind of dumbing them down to fit your needs. And so those horses, that's when the training gets really fun when you have such a sensitive horse like that is, and that's exactly what you're doing is you're figuring out what do I need to do to make him you know, to like show off him and his skills Mm -hmm. the best. And, you know, I still, when I start Colts, I still have to be like, okay, you need to be extra quiet for this and this and this, because I don't write a buck very well, but I am learning to be, to be able to ride those really sensitive ones and not go flying through the air. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. And it's, I've learned late in life that I need to train less and ride more. I just need to ride better. And so much of the training happens all by itself. If I just ride better. And I think that's, you know. Yeah. 
I think when you get to that level past the, you know, I think that's the, it's really fun and it can also be terrifying, but I think that's what we're all (laughs) trying to do is we realize the horses come to us already being able to do everything they do. Uh, You've we see them do airs above the ground in the pasture and I've seen sliding stops and tempe lead changes and we just have to get it to where, you know, we can work together to make it happen. Yeah. Just get out of their way. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, this has been so much fun. As usual, we have wild away an hour or so of our time geeking out on all things horse training. And as you may have guessed, Mary Kitzmiller is a horse trader and she's also an artist. So if someone wants to go out and find some of your amazing artwork, where do they go to find that? Uh, so our company for the artwork is Troublemaker Trading Company, and you can find us on Facebook. Already. And now for someone who wants to have you train a horse, um, have you get some riding lessons from you, who wants to see you at competitions, hire you for a clinic, all of those things, where do they go to do that? Also on Facebook, and you can find me at Mary Gets Miller Horsemanship. Dun, dun, dun. Now, you mentioned before we got started this, this afternoon do, doing the show um, that you were going to do a a... Some kind of a lesson with somebody, a remote lesson. Oh yeah, actually, with our listener who just called in, um, and this is really my first time trying this. We're going to do a Zoom lesson. Uh, she's working with her young horse, um, getting it ready to uh, do some under saddle work and and all of that stuff. So oh, yeah, neat. it's going to be super fun. Well, I yeah. ne- next month when you come back. Let's talk about how that went. That sounds like a really cool thing. Yeah. Yeah, I will. All right. We'll see you next month. All right. See ya. 